Hello and welcome back to the Women's Cycling Weekly podcast. This week, this week, as if we do it every week, we simply don't. But anyway, I'm joined today by Rachel. Hey, Rachel. Hello. How are you? I'm not good. like we've been speaking for two hours before we press record, but classic. I feel like every every podcast must be like that. The catch up before the actual podcast catch up. The BTS. Yeah. For sure. But anyway. Well, have you, how are you and have you been enjoying the season so far? It's actually started, which is yeah, good. I'm good. I'm happy it started. I've, I'm like, it's been really good so far. Um, I have, yeah, I have been covering men's races, which Ew! is illegal, like fire me. Um, but yeah, I have been really enjoying it. Like across the board, it's been pretty good. Um, yeah, I can't complain. Like a lot of surprises thrown in there. So happy days. I'm enjoying it. What about you? You liking it? Yeah, I feel like it took me a minute to kind of get into the swing of, like I I tried really hard to be interested in the season pre-on-loop, as in like, mm. you know, TDU, Valencia, UAE kind of tickled my fancy a little bit. I was a bit like, okay, yeah, we've got like some of the big names here, like, Racing is racing, but racing is racing, huh? But um, go again tomorrow. But then I, <laughs> and then I watched on loop, and I was like, "Now nah, this is it. This is what we come for," you know. I I get it. Like, and I don't want to be one of those like I'm a purist, and the season doesn't start <laughs> till opening weekend. But it kind of doesn't. Kinda does. like, what can you do? What can yeah, you do? like no. it's just it's true. But one thing I have thought or like noticed is that it is really cool that now the women have like a real proper build up to opening weekend like a real like structure to this to the early season races you know how like obviously for a long time the men have had like lots of little not little but like lots of build up races or lots of prep races or whatever you want to call them and the women haven't really had so much of that I know like obviously Valencia has been around for ages Tordanunda's had a few additions but I don't know, it just feels like now there is a bit more of a a proper lead into the season. It also like builds suspense a bit, I think. Like it, imagine if we hadn't seen like Kapeki race at UAE before um Omlu, we would have might we just wouldn't have really known like where she was at. I like I like that it kind of gives like these narratives before the big, big races start. It makes it a bit more interesting, I think. And it's good for the riders really to be able to like have have those kind of openers. And it's also interesting, I think, to see each year, like how it's affecting each rider, the races that they do before opening weekend. And it's good that like the women's peloton is kind of having to think about that, like calendar structure a bit more and like what the best prep is. And do you go to Tour Down Under when it's like so early in the year and stuff like that? Like, it's nice that there are those complexities, I think. Yeah. And I think it also makes it easier or it makes it like there's more structure for the riders themselves to like, pick where they want to start and where they're going to peak in the season and like prep that way because like for example like on that um press conference with FDJ a few weeks ago um Cecilia Ludwig was talking about she'd never she's never done before this year she'd never done TDU and she was talking about how like usually her 
peak comes like later in the season and actually like she started at TDU and obviously like Olympics are going to be a big goal for her for example and, and the women's Tour de France what well, about the Tour de France film who calls it mm. the women's Tour de France um <laughs> and and so like now that she started her season in January maybe that'll bring her like peak time of the season forward a bit she didn't actually say that I don't think that was like a thought that I had in my head when she was saying about that but like yeah I'm not a coach but it seems as if that would make sense yeah it's funny isn't it it seems like I think for her obviously like going to Australia and racing there I think I don't know is it okay to say that it was like probably more like also about convenience because she was obviously there with her partner like visiting his family and stuff right Mm -hmm. yeah so for her like she can go for that like extended periods of time and have a proper block there and like stay for a bit before and after to train I think the ones who it has a real bigger impact on are the people who are like properly you know fly out to Australia do the race come straight back and that's it whereas if you can like kind of weave it into like a training camp and it and like make it work like that I see how it'd be easier to maintain make it so your form can like be maintained throughout the year whereas if you need to take like so many days either side for like traveling and deal with the jet lag and miss all those days training because of that that's when you start to like risk detraining I think because you're having all the all that time off around the race whereas if you're already there and like you've made it into a camp kind of like she did it's less of an impact I'd say yeah well, on that note, actually, it I've just been reminded of a conversation I had with Ashley Mormon Passio recently. She was saying to me about how, I mean, this has been known for a long time, like the men's Peloton get flown business class to TDU. The women do not. And even the men's staff go business class. <laughs> the women yeah. don't fly business class. And it sounds a bit kind of like, what's the word? like bougie or like I don't know it sounds like something trivial. a bit like tri- that's right trivial that's what I was looking for that like you know it does actually make a big difference though like to how you turn up to Australia like if you're in a business class seat you can relax you can sleep like you get like space and you turn up way fresher than if you're sat in an economy seat and she said that that's one of the reasons or like a big reason why she didn't go to the race was how many days of training and the fatigue and everything of the travel. Yeah. I mean, take it from somebody who was slumming it back <laughs> in economy to Australia and back. Like the impact of that travel is hardcore. Like I, w- I mean, I know like I obviously didn't have to do a race. So like no, no complaints. But I'm just saying like I felt so tired, like the impact of that, and like being cramped up for like 24 hours basically if you're coming from Europe is it is it would have a massive impact like I would not have wanted to get on a bike when I got there and try to do anything of any meaningful effort but yeah what, the other thing when I was in Australia like we I don't know like if you've spoken about this like at all on the podcast already but they um were talking about how um the men fly business and the women don't and apparently it's a UCI stipulation that's been in place for like years and years that they have that the organize organizers have to send the men business it's like something that was put in when the tour de under first started in like the uci rule book whereas it's not in it's not the rules for the women that they have to be flown business i mean it's still at the discretion of the organizers right they're still they whether the uci forces them into it or not they still could choose to pay for the women to go business but i i spoke to the organizers about it and they just they just they said like 
they're tra- like each year they're paying for more and more women's teams to go like full stop. They paid for them to stay longer because there's a whole other thing where the women can't stay in the nice hotel for the entire period as well. They can only stay there around the race and then they go to like these kind of weird university halls outside of the city for the second half of the trip because it's too expensive for them to house the men and the women in these in the nice hotel. So like there's some real inequalities like that, but the organizers were saying like you know we've we've we're talking through all the steps they have made since the race started in terms of they're now paying for more teams women's teams than ever to go and race. So I think that their their stance is like it is progressing, um, but it's just it's got to happen gradually, and they don't just don't simply don't have the money to like suddenly change and fly everyone business and give everyone the hotel for two weeks and blah blah blah. I mean, it is it is wrong, like fundamentally, but I think I think you have to cut them a bit of slack. Like there are a lot of other races doing a lot worse, and the riders generally are like incredibly happy with Tour de Under and how well it's organised and how well the riders are treated. And I don't know if it's I I can see how like on the pretense of it and like the like morally it's like completely wrong, but I don't think it should be we should be like dragging them like too much for it, you know. Yeah, I mean, well, especially if, like, if there's a UCI rule about the men, like, I wonder if that wasn't in place, would they still do that? Because that's a lot of money for them. If it wasn't a rule, would they just be like, the men can go economy? Yeah, I mean, at UAE Tour, um, they had, like, it was a similar thing, I think, because they have a charter plane, but there's, like, obviously not enough seats in, in business for all the riders, so... It's like um, the top, the the team gets, each team gets to choose three riders who go in business and the team chooses it. So I guess you might pick like your GC leader or your sprinter or whatever, and that's just how it is. But then on the way home, like, for example, I heard that Fabio Jakobsen gave up his seat in business to his teammates because they'd been working for him all week, which is really nice. And like, oh. it's kind of up to the, I know, it's kind of like up to the, to the riders and the team to decide. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Wow, that that could cause some serious uh, some drama, some awkwardness. Me, I'd, be, I'd be putting my foot down, like, guys, please, can I have the business class? Yeah, <laughs> I need to recline on the flight. <laughs> oh my goodness, for sure. Yeah, I just I thought that was quite a like hearing it from a rider who like literally chose not to go to the race and factored that in was quite quite interesting. But yeah, anyway, we've talked at length about about TDU in the. Yes podcast with you and Tilda which anyone can go back and listen if they missed that um was I think that was actually probably the last one in the feed this is super regular with these podcasts oh no Uh, I mean if there's nothing to talk about there's nothing to talk about and that's what I'm saying like this early season race is like yeah they've been it's good to have them and it's good that there's a more like fleshed out calendar but they just don't I don't they don't get me going the same way that like Omloop and like the rest of the spring classics and and the rest of the season does so I agree. for me the classics are just it for the whole year the classics are just the best like they're my favorite time my favorite races I just they're unbeatable they're unmatched in my opinion 100% I'm with you well before we talk about Omloop and well all of opening weekend and a little bit of Wednesday, um, Wednesday. Not can't just say Wednesday. <laughs> a little bit of list. I mean, was it Tuesday? And it wasn't even Wednesday. What day is it? 
Um, yeah, I'm just going to run through kind of because it has been a while since we recorded this podcast and quite a bit has happened since then. I'm just going to run through the kind of main stories that we have. Um, kind of top headline is, or one of the top headlines is the long contract extensions that we've seen coming out of teams, which and early too in the season to be announcing all this stuff. Like it seems like there's a lot of like, Contract extensions being announced and speculation about transfers, etc. So we've got Kopecky signing with SD Works till 2028 now, which she's then locked in. Big question mark over what Demi Vollerin's going to do now. Is she going to stay? Is she going to go? Doesn't really feel like there's room for her at SD Works if Kopecky is continuing to follow a very similar path. Also, there's the whole thing about the 1 million euro contract offer from UAE and SDUX kind of being like, we can't afford that. We aren't willing to pay that. Um, and Guy Rellini has extended with Trek, Little Trek, sorry, until 2027. Fluch and Olivia Barriel have extended with Movistar till 2026. Justine Gekier and, oh no, Marcia Gussens have extended with AG insurance Sudal quick step until 2026 so quite a lot of like long contract extension well I guess it's just that 2028 and 2026 sound really far away but 2026 is two years away um but yeah interesting that all that's being announced in really in February um and then also are we getting a women's tour of Britain um the gap in the calendar obviously the women's store was cancelled the organizers have gone into administration and yet we still have a women's tour of britain in the uci calendar um at the same time as when the women's tour was meant to happen so rumor has it that british cycling have stepped in and they're going to do something but who knows watch this space but we might still have something which would be nice because cycling in the uk seems to be going down the drain a little bit so (laughs) would be good to see no sorry you're gonna say something but i think i just thought i would let you run through just keep keep going all right and then we can go back yes Uh, A few injury updates as well, unfortunately. Anna Henderson suffered a broken collarbone at the St. Manus Eccleste Valenciana. Claire Steeles has a few broken vertebrae from a crash at UAE, which, ouch. Um, Similar area, Cecilia Ludwig crashed on Saturday on loop, and it's been announced in the last day or so that she has actually sustained a sacral fracture. So she'll be out of action for a little bit, I imagine, which is a shame. And 27-year-old South African Maddie LaRue is the latest winner of the Swift Academy and will join Canyon Storm Generation Development Team from this year. Also, who is the man who threw beer at Marina Voss? We don't know who he is, but police have got him and they're going to question him. I didn't even see this happen. Did you see this happen? No, but I'm all for him being told off in a big way. Nobody fear of Marianne Voss. Like, who do you simply think you are? I'm sorry. Exactly. Also, Marianne Voss doesn't have haters. No. Who could who could even think of doing that to her? Like, she's a legend. I would I would like no. I can barely even speak to the woman without shaking. 
<laughs> Seriously, though. Well, anyway, yeah, I hope he gets his uh, comeuppance. Maybe they have to get Matthew Vanderpool to come and spit on him. <laughs> Yikes. Um, and finally, after the team's performance on Saturday, Elisa Longo-Borghini says that Little Trek aren't here to boil eggs. More on that later. <laughs> Elisa Longo-Borghini quote that, isn't it? Fully. I, I love that she's back and like full force at racing but also comments like this yeah definitely so that's your news any Ooh. anything to add to any of that rachel no just the 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 main thing that i'm most intrigued about is this contract situation with sd works and like following and weebus and what's going to happen with all of them and it's kind of funny because it's like people are saying there's not really a lot of space for Demi now because Kapeki's so good. But it's also like, is there space for Weebus because Kapeki's so good? Kapeki's just like, she's becoming like the team as a whole now because she can win sprints. She could probably win the tour. She can win the classics. She can win Strada Bianchi. She can win anything she wants. So it's like, at what point is like, it not all for Kapeki? It's, I, I don't know. I'd be getting a little bit worried about the way things, the direction things are moving in for SD Works if... Yeah, if riders aren't feeling like they're getting enough opportunity because of Kapeki all the time, it's it's slightly worrying because you can't have a one-woman team, I'm afraid. Um, no. And I mean, it's a big vote of confidence from them as well, this extension till 2028. It very much says, like, this is our horse that we're back in. Cool. So from Demi Vollerin's, Vollerin's perspective there, it's kind of like, well, there's no point in saying because if they're going to fully back Kapeki to basically do, I mean, everyone we saw on the Tourmalet, like she can literally do it all. I don't know, a, big, a bit of a question mark over the sprint side with Weebers because I I don't know if you put Kapeki up against like Charlotte Cool and Weebers, for example, in like a head-to-head sprint. Do you think she'd be, do you think she'd really get involved? Like in terms of like, no, would she come near? I guess not, but I think it's more like, yeah, I guess it's more like how many opportunities will SD works give like choose to ride for a sprint mm. I, what I mean like if they know Kapeki can attack or she could probably ride away is it going to be a bit like you know she'd always get that sorry that's my thing she'd always get that priority I don't know yeah I guess that's I mean this is a whole other tangent but that kind of comes back to the the state of one of my favorite topics to bore on about but the state of sprinting in, in the women's peloton because I guess like on the men's side, like you there is room for like um classic side, like a rider like Kapeki and a sprinter to be on the same team because the sprinter will get chances at like sprint race it like sprinters races or pure sprint stages of, of grand tours or, or stage races. Whereas there isn't really that kind of terrain yet for the women to race on. So yeah, it's it it is a bit like like the tour, for example most stages where Weebers could really go for them, Kopecky also probably could as well, or like she could reduce the, like, yeah, tactically, like it could work for either of them. There's no day where it's like, that's pure go for Weebers. We're going to do a, a big lead out. So UAE is like, the only race. 
Yeah, literally. It's also I think it's also like it's more it's a more of a reliable win for the team if Quebec can get away solo than the risk of like a bunch sprint and everyone fighting for positions and doing lead outs. I don't know. I almost feel like you, if you want to like hedge your bets, you'd obviously rather your rider was like away or with a small group or it's just like fewer variables then to think about. But yeah, Yeah. so um Shame about Cecily Utrecht Ludwig being injured because this is like her like Strada Bianchi and the classics and stuff. She would have been a real big player and like I think it was quite notable at like FDJ's absence at um Omloop from kind of the key moments was quite notable, I th
the better ones in, t- in that sense. But it's quite obvious that she wasn't at home on a bike in the way that the other girls were. And um, mm. at the end of it, Danny was actually saying to her, like, we've had it before where we've taken someone based off, like, literally just their numbers and, like, how they've performed in the test. And, like, it doesn't – it's actually not fair because they – they do just get chucked in at the deep end. And I, I can imagine as well for some people, like it would just put you off entirely. Like you'd be like, what's the point? I'm never going to get there. It's so, so like dream crushing as well. When you, you know, you think you've like made your dream come true and then you're kind of like, oh shit, I haven't really. <laughs> it's like really hard. So yeah. yeah. It's, it's a difficult one though. Cause it's like the balance between, cause obviously like the original premise was like finding like these uncut gems, like these riders who like, had amazing numbers but needed to kind of hone like some other skills or like have a bit more experience and and like nurture that talent whereas now it it very much seems as if like all the finalists or like most of the finalists or the the ones that end up going on to win are almost already pro um like this this winner maddie she's been on the world cycling center team she's done a lot of racing like when you look at her like in the in those that series like she looks pro already like yeah exactly yeah it's very true but it's I think that's just kind of the nature of the competition though isn't it like if you really are basing stuff on purely on people's like power numbers like to get to that final phase I just feel like you're going to end up like there's there isn't that many people out there who take cycling seriously enough to wit to get into the Zwift Academy final without and yet don't want to race on the road mm. at all. You know what I mean? Like there's just a it's it would be quite unusual I think for somebody to get to the final having like it's just it's just it's getting a lot harder. But yeah, I yeah. don't know. I don't know the solution unless like they make it so like you ha- you can't have raced at like a certain level um, before you enter it or what. Well, I think you you do have to like you can't have been pro, I don't think, or like you can't. I think you have to still be like fully amateur, but like yeah. All right, should we talk about Omloop then? Yes, let's do it. What can we say about Omloop? Well, first of all, it's so sick that Marina Voss won. Let's start the start at the end. It was unbelievable, like full circle moment for women's cycling. If I, if there ever was one, I mean, how good that she's back winning. Like that is just, I don't know. For me, it feels just like this breath of fresh air that's like needed, even though it's not fresh because she's obviously been winning for so long. But like the fact that she just came and like there was all this talk about SD Works, who's going to be SD Works? She was like, she was like, fuck that, I'm going to be SD Works. <laughs> who do you think you are? Like I'm Marianne Voss. You think I can't be SD Works? Like, are you joking? Like, SD Works, who? I'm just going to turn up the first time I ever ride on Henny's Bud and just beat them. Like, after you've all been going on all winter about how they were going to dominate, I'm just going to rock up and I'm going to beat them. I was like, that is boss, like, legend. <laughs> no, actually, though. Like, that's the thing is it's like, she's you say, like, it's like a breath of fresh air, but it's Marina Vosh. She's been around for so long. She's done so much. But, like, somehow we all, like, low-key underestimated her and, like, yeah like I I I will admit that I wasn't really thinking about I wasn't expecting her to really like feature the in the way that she did and definitely not win just because she's been out of action or not out fully out of action but she's been like she's had a really up and down last year or so and yeah okay like at, at Valencia she she was going really well but it's 
I feel like everyone was just kind of like, oh, yeah, but like SC Works are obviously going to step up their game and one more like level for Omloop. And it's probably just going to be an SD Works walkover. Kopecky's probably going to do what she did last year and just launch off the moon. And like when Voss was staying with her, like every time she tried to go, it was just like, okay. Yeah, it's like, are you are they panicking at this point? Because they should have been. Um, but yeah, you know, do you know that was her 249th career win? <laughs> Isn't that an unbelievable stat? That is unreal. Um, also, the mad stat that like she'd never raced omelette before. I did not know that. I don't think anyone really did. Because just yes. Um, and like it, that's also a lesson. Like if that that how. Like, that is how to beat SD Works. Like, how... Okay, it wasn't just Voss, because, like, Trek did a lot of, like, the heavy lifting in that race, I'd say, to make um, Kopecky be, like, isolated at the finish. But I was so happy to see that, that that's how they were racing. And it was, like, finally, like... Yeah, okay, SD Works maybe had a bit of a bad day as well, but that is how you beat them. And it was so mm -hmm. good. And Kopecky was being forced into chasing, um, like, Longa Borghini's attacks, and she had to do so much work. And it was just, like... It was just so good to see that that it wasn't it wasn't the whole usual dynamic where like one of them got away and everyone else just sat up and looked at each other. It was just like it was proper racing. It was really good. I really hope that now as well, this means that everyone else like takes heart from that and sort of sees like, oh, yeah, you can actually beat them with these tactics like by because Kopecky was isolated. How often do you see an SDX rider isolated? in a group like that and outnumbered by yeah. another team. But where was Marlon Rusa? It's my question. Why did they not start her? Do we know? No. Because she was the missing link, I think, for ST Works in that race. Like she is the other strong rider who would have ordinarily been there to do that heavy lifting that Kapeki and was doing and then that Bollering was doing before that. Because SD Works rode in this way, which I don't feel like they ever normally do, where they backed, they they put they put Volering on the front to fully back um Kopecky. Like they 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 went all they put all their eggs in Kopecky's basket. Whereas normally they kind of just throw everything at the race and see who's there at the end and it works out because they're all so strong. Whereas this time Volering was actually forced to sacrifice her own race for Kopecky to be in that front group. And like there was just it was a completely different way. Like normally they weirdly don't even race that tactically SD works. They just have enough people there because they're all really strong. But like they tactically like had to do something and it just didn't pay off. But yeah, if Rusa was there, then like it would have changed a lot. So I just don't know why they didn't have her there. She was ill. I've just looked it up. Oh, she was ill. Yeah. She got COVID, I think, actually. Yeah. So... Yeah. Yeah, maybe, I, yeah, I don't know, like, maybe, yeah, you're right. I think she would have been, like, that powerhouse that sort of maybe could have tried to, if she was in that group, then she would have done the, the chasing down of, like, all those Trek attacks. But I don't know, like, it's hard It's hard to, like, say, like, oh, if she was there, like, it would have made a huge, like, you, you can't really, like, what am I trying to say? This has gone down a shit route. Basically, like, I think... Yeah, she would have made a big difference in terms of like, like you say, Volering wouldn't have had to do as much work. So then they would have had another card to play in her. She would have been fresher for the finish. But um, 
I just think Trek, like, obviously they didn't get the result that they wanted out of it, but I just really love, like, how they just grabbed the race and just, like, did, they threw the kitchen sink. Because, like, that was a, that was all they could do as well. Because, like, coming down to that sprint, like, Longo Borghini and Shirin Van Amory, like, they didn't have, they weren't going to win from a sprint in that group. So they had to do exactly what they were doing and it made the race like I, I, I was just like in awe of the fact that like it looked like both of them were like alternately attacking and then hanging on the back of the group for dear life looking as if that was it they were gone and then they'd like get straight back in but like attack straight away yeah they were just like fighting so much it was it was so good like yeah I don't know they they had like strength in numbers and they didn't win but they should be so happy with that performance I mean like it was really impressive and I can I don't know I just feel like when you have someone like Lucinda Brand there as well or, or some a rider like that kind of back in the mix or eventually when like Ellen Van Dyke is back at like full fitness and stuff like track are really going to be even more of a like force to be reckoned with and it was so good to see um how well Shirin was riding because I didn't really know what to expect necessarily from her but I don't think I expected her to be quite that good even like on I know Longo Borghini had been solo for a while but she even looked stronger than Longo Borghini on a lot of the kind of final climbs um and that's like is that was that her first race Shirin yeah she I mean I think she caught her cross season short and then but yeah um did she race yeah I think it was her first race on the road Gosh, live fact checking occurring here, guys. No, she raced Valencia. Okay, but yeah, she was she just was flying. I thought I I love I love watching like I loved watching how they race, and I really like watching Elisa being back, being so aggressive and like I I was watching her. You know, there was that moment where she bridged across to the to the original break, mm-hmm. and um the way she was like just dropping them on the corners, she was railing it. She was riding like crazy. And I just love that. I thought she's just giving it everything and it's so good. And just, I just love her. I think she's like one of my favorite riders. I can't lie. No, 100%. Is that also because you went on the London Eye with her? (laughs) (laughs) That might add something to it. Yeah. Uh, No. She's so cool. Yeah. And like just the way she races as well. Like she's such a classy rider. She's not afraid to take risks, which, yeah, I just, yeah, love her. And also, I love that she's go on. Well, I was just gonna say, like, I love that she's so um humble and like, you know, she wouldn't have she would have done anything for Shirin to win or her to win. Like it didn't matter that she's like older and she's more experienced, but she was just like doing exactly what you should do in that situation as a team. Um and like whoever was the one who got the win got the win. And like she doesn't have any of that sort of sense of like I don't know. You, I don't know. You might see it in other teams with like SD Works, for example, where you might see them be a bit more like, oh, but like I really wanted to win this one, you know. Whereas she, you don't get any of that kind of sense from her that she feels like she deserves it more than anyone else on her team. And I just think that's a good like um, sign of her character. Yeah, exactly. And I think Trek do that really well as a team as well. This sort of it's for the team, not the individual. Like the effort, you can tell that they, like you say, like. I think each of their riders are happy to like sacrifice their own chances for a team win, regardless of who it is that crosses the line first. And yeah, the same can't be said for like every team. 
But I actually, Trek, honestly, I think are the, like, now that they're kind of back to like full force or almost full force, like, I think they're going to be the thorn in SD Wicks side this year a bit. They are the other kind of team where you look at their roster and you're like, wow, that like almost all of these people could be our winners and at some level, like they're all not to the same extent as SD Works, maybe, but like, you know, you've got Lizzie Dagnan, who's kind of said that she's wanting to win this year. Like she's coming back to her best after being away and having a second child, like Ellen Van Dyke's coming back, which we've missed Ellen Van Dyke in the Peloton. Like just doing that, doing that tractor work of like just pulling pulling people back, like just the powerhouse, like the the foil to Marlon Russo, basically, like in that situation. Um, Elisa Longo-Borghini being back to full health, like she had a horrible 2023. I didn't realise quite how bad, like do you think she really, I think it was quite new information when it came out that she'd ended up having sepsis at some point during the year, like she had COVID crashes, like we never really got to see her. Like she didn't get going really like the whole year. And when she's at her best, she's a force to be reckoned with. And then, yeah, like Shirin, I mean, she won Binder. Like she's, she's also like, she's so young. She's got so much power. Like they actually have like a mad good team and they, they stand like quite strong against SE works, which is, going to be interesting I think now that they're all kind of fully charged and ready yeah exactly it's it's just going to be interesting yeah to see how it how it progresses as well and whether yeah whether it would it was just that were like little track weaker last year because they had all these illness and injury and people out in their team or like RSD works weaker this year do you know what I mean it's going to be interesting to see like how it continues because yeah I don't know, like maybe maybe last year ST Works were only so good because their rivals were suffering from like bad luck and stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because also I think like you sort of touched on before, like tactically, like they don't always get it right. They actually like, you know, Trek's tactic on Saturday was really clever and they they knew exactly what they were doing. And, and I think also now a lot of teams have clocked on to the fact that this is how SD works have been winning. Like, this is how we can take them on. I do actually think, I mean, I asked not to keep going on about this press conference, but when I asked the question about it with the FDJ press conference, Del Court was kind of like, we need to make them, what did he say? We need to, I literally used it as a headline, but essentially like they need to be put under pressure. You need to like, yeah, he said, we need to make them go nuts as in, like just be a pain in the arse to them like which is so true like they need to be put under pressure they need to like I mean uh, you know I I I don't just like SD works as a team but even like off the bike and like away from the race we saw it at the tour last year like they were so good that like there was this aura about them where they like almost they were even at the Tour de France when like Danny Stam got sent thrown off the race they were almost too good to follow the rules like you know what I mean that's kind of the vibe they were giving like they were on such a different level to anyone else. And like the fact that they're under this pressure now is really good for the sport as a whole, I think. Um, and it's interesting as well, talking about like the tactics side, that 
the the Voss um, and Longa Borghini, they're like super experienced riders. They've been around for such a long time. And in contrast, I guess, at the men's side, where we may be seeing more like younger riders come through it, I felt like having the experience that like Voss and Longo Borghini have was like crucial to them knowing how to play that race and doing riding it so well. Um, yeah, I just think it's interesting that it wasn't like young guns like coming through to to challenge them. Like it wasn't like unknown riders who've suddenly got really good this season. It was like the people who've like watched this before and like probably been through um, generations of like dominant teams as well, like in the past and seen how how to kind of quash that dominance. Yeah, I, I think something that um, Voss and Longo Borghini have got in common as well is that they're they're like I don't know maybe longer beginning not to the same level like Voss for example she's a winner like she's a killer and uh, and like just intuitively seems to know what the right move to make is in a race and definitely I feel like Elisa does have that too like it's just experience like you say like she's been in the peloton for such a long time and like has that authority a little bit to know like when to chase stuff down when not to like what the right move is like Voss Voss was like also I forgot about this it's just come back to me how Voss was just like sitting on and Kopecky was like getting annoyed and like the thing is is like that's kind of what you have to be like you have to piss people off like like Marianne Voss like she doesn't give a shit if Kopecky's shouting at her like she's Marianne Voss she's got 248 career wins already at that point like and that is exactly what you have to be like and it was it was so good as well I thought that like Voss really backed her sprint as well she didn't try anything she was like she really believed in her own sprint and she didn't panic that like oh Kopecky's a really fast sprinter as well she didn't even try and like do any attacks she just like had her way to approach the finale and she stuck to it throughout the whole time which was exactly what she needed to do. But that is the only kind of confidence you get after you've been like in the, when you're 36 and you've raced for like two decades, you only really get that confidence then. Um, yeah. yeah. It was so good to see her back and also really good for um, Yama Visma as well, I think, to have their kind of star. I mean, they've had a really good season as it is already, but I mean, to have Voss back and their star rider kind of getting them out there I'm sh- I feel like surely that will trickle down the team and really like motivate everyone you'd hope anyway yeah because they seemed a bit a bit lost at sea last year at times when she wasn't oh yeah sorry I can't starting beef but no they did like they didn't they didn't really feature that much like I I think it's fair to say that like we didn't really see that much from them in 2023 and I think a lot of it was because like Voss is kind of the main figurehead and she wasn't really there because she was dealing with all the shite that she had thrown at her. Mm. Not beer, as in as in illness and injury. Um, So yeah, but going back to the sprint, um, so obviously Kopecky, this time last year we would have been talking about her as like, like there was a whole big thing about, oh, SD Works have got Lorena Weebers and Lotta Kopecky, kind of what are we going to do about that? No one ever really thought 
oh, we've got Demi Vollering and Lotte Kopecky on the same team, very similar riders. No one categorized the the two riders in the same, like, in the same lane or whatever. Like, whereas now, like, we've seen what Kopecky did at the tour. We've seen what she's done at UAE tour. She's definitely molding herself into an all-rounder, someone who can really climb. Um... And she's said over the winter, like she's changed, well, she's dropped her coach. She's coaching herself, which I think is a very interesting move in an Olympic year. But who am I to say? And <laughs> she's lost, I think she said she lost four kilos or something like that, three or four kilos. Um, Which again, like we could talk all day about that sort of thing. So I remember she got asked a question, I think it was on loop last year. Someone said something about, weight or some I remember someone made a comment about Kopecky's weight and there was this whole big thing about oh why are we saying this and I do get that like there are a few more layers to it on the women's side than maybe on the men's when it comes to talking about you know you've got societal stuff about body image and weight as well as like the the pressures from through the sport but it it's really hard because it is a part of cycling like the weight thing is is a performance thing and it's, it's a valid thing to kind of bring up and talk about and like do you know what I mean like if she has lost weight over winter and she's climbing like she's climbing and she's still I mean again going into UAE you Rachel were the only one that backed her to win the juicy um within in within women's cycling weekly circles I mean I'm sure there was other people but like I was sort of like oh well yeah, she climbed that on the Tourmalet, but then she was in like Tour de France form. It was July, like now it's February. Like I feel like, you know, against real pure climbers, no way is she going to win on that stage or get high enough on that stage to win the GC. And then she just went and bloody did it. So I don't know if, if though within that, she's knocked a bit of speed off a sprint. Is that too, is that premature to say that? Because Voss beat her on Saturday. I don't know. Voss is fast. Yeah, I think you wrote, I think I remember you wrote in the newsletter, like, you know, she's lost three and a half kilos, but uh, which without losing any of her power, which is really scary. But like, maybe she has lost a little bit of her power. And like, like, just like from a, physiological standpoint it would be really really hard to lose that amount of weight and not lose any of your raw power like I think that's just like an quite a like scientific thing um yeah I mean it's, it's so hard to know because we didn't see Voss race last year so it's not like you can really compare it to like oh suddenly she's getting beaten by Voss and whereas she mm. could beat last year but so it's, it's really hard to compare but there is there to be honest like there she couldn't even come off Voss's wheel really in that sprint. It wasn't close or, at all. Um, and I just, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe she has lost a little bit of that that kind of power. Um, because I, I'm sure last year coming to a, in, into the line in a sprint like that, I would have 100% backed Kopecky. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Even maybe, against Voss. Yeah, literally. So it is interesting. And it does I know like but like it's a bit scary like if she has lost four kilos like that she didn't look like she could like last year she looked so incredibly lean like where did you where did she lose four kilos from <laughs> it's crazy it's 
me. But that's the thing with the speed thing is like, you know, once you get to a certain point, you lose muscle mass, don't you? And yeah. that's when it where it comes from in terms of like, you don't have the same power. Um, I'm sure she knows what she's doing. And I'm sure there are people around her who know what they're doing. But it is just an interesting thing to observe when you've got a rider saying like, now I'm coaching myself and I've lost this weight and she's quite, she's, you know, coming third and overall at the Tour de France and then winning the GC on what is a significant climb at the UAE Tour. Like, Just a quick sign on that climb, like, because I was there covering the men's race, Ugh, blasphemy, but um, <laughs> I was, I, we drove up that climb and I was literally like, this is so hard and long this climb. It's not like, it's a proper climb. It's like, a, it's like mountain vibes. Um, yeah so it's yeah the fact she won on that it's like well that's why I was saying what I was saying before it because I saw that climb IRL the year before it because I went yeah. to, the, to the first edition of the women's UAE tour and I remember seeing the climb and I remember being like god this is actually a really hard climb like it, it gets yeah. really steep it's quite long and obviously last year it was like Gaia Rolini and Elisa Longo Borghini. Like, I mean, Gaia Rolini is like a pure climber. You don't have to look at her. And Elisa Longo Borghini is a, is a really good climber as well. Like she's someone that you would factor into like a GC. Whereas at that point I was like, well, Kopecky, yeah, okay. Again, like I've repeat, I'm repeating myself, but like what she did at the Tourmalet was surely different to how you expected to be going in February. And then I was thinking that isn't, that climb is is enough that she really like the Kopecky of twelve months ago. You would not expect her to get up it, as at least it will win. So as in not not get up it at all. But you know what I'm saying. Okay. Dropping like riders like Riolini and Longo Wagini and up, up a and Neve Bradbury. Yeah, yeah. Is Neve Fisher Black there as well or no? No. Okay. Scrap that. Scrap that. <laughs> But there was a lot of good climbers who you were just like like proper mountain goes who you would not have thought Kopecky would outclimb at that race. But yeah. yeah, it's an interesting one. Anything else to say about Omelut before we move on to Strada? What else did we? What were the other kind of big moments? I mean. There were lots of crashes. Oh, yeah. That was what I had in my notes as well. Oh, also, Puck did well. She didn't, she? She did, yeah. She, again, like, I think that, was that a first road race so far? Yeah, it was this year. Like, obviously, we saw her last year come in and do Strada and just come fifth like a boss, like, out of the blue. I think she did a bit too much on yeah. Saturday. She was 10th. I think 10th at Omloop and 8th at Le Salmon or maybe the other way around. Other way around, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, considering like, you know, she's come from like cross and stuff, that is very exciting for Strada Bianchi, I think. Um, but yeah, there were so many crashes. I felt like I was looking on Twitter afterwards and it was just like one after the other updates on broken bones and stuff. But I suppose it's just the way it is on these like hectic races so early in the year. Everyone's so keen. Um but yeah 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 to go back briefly to put I think um you can see she's like really excitable 
Like mm. you can tell she's like got the power and she's got the the talent to be where she is she was in that race, but it's it's a bit like like we were talking about the more experienced riders earlier, like I think it's gonna take her a minute to kind of learn to sit back and wait a bit and follow and stuff instead of I think if she hadn't done as much as she did, she wouldn't have ended up in that chase group. I think she would have actually been in that front group maybe. Just yeah. based on how like how she was looking before. Yeah. But, um, it's experience as well, I suppose, that that like way to race. And she's so still so young and only just really getting started in like the road stuff. So mm-hmm. pretty promising, I think. Um super impressive by talita de jong as well actually yeah also one person who cassia didn't had she did a bit too much work maybe as well i thought before the and that kind of she's a rider who you might have thought would have been in that front group as well um but it looked a bit like she she didn't look bad she just looked like she maybe overdid it in terms of how much work she did she said after the race that she had no legs on the mirror as well so like think yeah she just used all her bickies before it and then that was it but I think she'll have learned that lesson you don't have to learn that once um at the start and then hopefully she won't make that mistake again because it kind of again kind of surround another team that look that are looking really strong like they're getting like stronger every year it seems now like the team that they're building and the the quality of rider like the depth within their roster um and now they've got our fave po- friend of the podcast magnus Bagstead, in the car <laughs> yeah. yeah big maggie hope you're listening shout out <laughs> <laughs> oh my god all these people that we just pestered every day at the tour who probably never listen to this podcast absolutely not oh come on definitely not oh, michelle god. is not listening to this podcast he is not listening to this podcast <laughs> Um, um but yeah no oh, are we it. Or do we oh not- yeah sorry yeah me just straight away being like let's move on to strada but obviously we had two more races we had omelette pet hagland oh, and yeah. Liz salmon um het hagland won by kristen faulkner from a break well from a solo break she just went see you later done bang in the bag yeah she seems to be be back uh, on that kind of form we saw her this time last year doesn't she like definitely thriving in that new ef setup so good for her i just wish they wouldn't with those helmets <laughs> oh. i know they are offensive like imagine if you win the biggest race of your career and you've got one of them on your head oh you'd be gutted wouldn't you you actually would <laughs> anyway the less said about those the better um yeah, good, great win from Faulkner. Shows that she's in really good form, which will be interesting for Strada. I feel like she's got a few bones to pick with that race, but we'll, we'll talk yeah. about that in a minute. Um, last year. Yes, that was a whole debacle. Um, yeah, uh, Misha Bredewald second and Five for Georgie third at that race. They're also going good. Five for Georgie, good to see her up there. Um, she had a great classics run last year. Um, so yeah, don't really know what else to say. I mean, we didn't have like the best coverage of that race as well, so it's kind of hard to hard to say. 
And Victoria Guazzini won La Samian, which love her. She's really good vibes as a writer. Mm, yeah, and she is. She not um, that much. she well, she was injured, wasn't she? Last year, she had like a fractured pelvis or something. So good to see that she's kind of back. Um, I thought she rode it tactically like really well. To be fair, um, she kind of like had to bide her time at the end because the bunch was coming, and she was sort of held her nerve um, to sprint. And I think she's been third there a couple of times. She's like knocked on the door of winning that race quite a few times. Um, and yeah, the other thing I thought was obviously it was um, Charlotte Cool was racing and DSM kind of messed up the chase of that break, which is quite unusual for them. They normally get stuff like that quite like right. But it was like DSM and Movistar both messed up the timing of the chase. Um, but I think maybe for DSM, it was like not having Pfeiffer there was probably a bigger uh, like loss for them because she, I've got faith in her, like she would not have let that break stay away. She would have <laughs> had it under control. She's just that kind of person. Um, so yeah, and I think it, I, I'm going to pronounce this really badly, but um, the Finnish rider, Anina Atosolo. Yeah, I just, I, I just, uh, yeah. She I was second, right? Yeah. In the and she was in the break all day and like hung on for second. So one to watch. And I feel like I've heard like murmurings about her for a while that she's incredibly quick at the finish. So maybe one to watch, like a little one to watch this year, I'd say. We love a new sprinter coming on the scene. Mm-hmm. I feel like, yeah, more of that sort of thing. Defo. Um, yeah, I mean, it's hard. It's a hard race to kind of judge. It wasn't like the highest quality start list because SD Works weren't there. I don't think Canyon Tram were there. So I don't think they were there. So, yeah, it's, kind of, it's good to see. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think a lot of teams sent their development teams to the to this race, maybe. Or was that Hagerland where that happened? Uh, there were quite a few. Let me see. Yeah, I know. There weren't as many. Yeah, it wasn't like as stacked. For sure no, but it was still good. Right. Like, I'm, it's good to see like the smaller teams getting a chance to like get get up there. I thought it was quite good still. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then yeah, okay. Well, away from Belgium and to Italy. Ciao, <laughs> ciao, and Toscana. Um, well. Guess the image we've got of Tuscany and generally Italy, possibly Strada Bianchi, although it has had some rough t- additions weatherwise. We expect kind of like sun, and that's synonymous with it, but it looks like it might rain. That would be um, rough. Um... I remember, I think, was it like 2018? There was one, the women's race, like, because it starts really early. I think they put the women's race, it starts like nine. And I remember it was like freezing. I think it was snowing actually, or like almost snowing. It was like just freezing and wet and grim and vile. And I just remember being like, poor riders. Um, so maybe it's going to be, but it, the thing is, is it changes up the dynamic of the race quite a bit. I think like, because then with a race like Strada, you've got the consideration of like mechanicals, like punctures, 
like riding the gravel sectors when it's wet and is very different to riding them when it's like dusty and dry um yeah I mean I don't it's not 100% that it is gonna like be wet during the race but I think it will change like who who it suits I can see Lizzie Dagenham for example loving that she's very very cool about the fact that she likes a bit of ad- inclement weather so PSA yeah yeah sorry short short interlude there while we fixed my microphone issues sorry if I sounded like I was speaking to you through a tin can in that last <laughs> last little section <laughs> thanks Rachel for letting me know um where were we yeah Strada Bianca yeah, could, could be white, light rain and the new route as well that's going to be the other thing that could change how it, the race goes I think there's four more gravel sectors um which makes 40k of gravel in total which is a third of the race so it's quite a lot um and it might just yeah it it just will probably change the dynamic quite a lot because we often see their race decided on the final climb don't we but it might be that the moves go a little bit earlier this year if the route because the route is so much harder um so that'll be interesting to see how that impacts things along with the weather which is obviously the biggest thing yeah i wonder if we'll see more of um it become like because now like or like before sorry a power like Pecky got to the finish well <laughs> not me categorizing her not as a climber but like it you could, though. yeah or, or just you know yeah like you could just power your way through some of the climbs and get to Santa Catarina like I mean on the men's side like Mashi Van Paul has won this race he's not a flipping climber so um I think it might change maybe, yeah, the whole sort of, I think it will change like who teams put forward as a leader for it maybe and like um, might make it more, we see like more splits, maybe smaller groups, which we already do see small groups though. Like it, it is already like it gets to the end of the race and it's like either a solo rider like we saw last year with Faulkner or like, very small group um coming to the final so yeah Loki yeah. like, it is a hard enough race as it is without adding these gravel sectors so it's yeah like it will be interesting to see how much difference it makes if any because it's already pretty brutal and already has like loads of people who don't finish it and stuff so it'll be interesting to see I'm excited I'm like this Shada Bianchi last year was like the craziest race of the whole season um so I'm excited to see how it goes this year I mean I don't think like anyone can forget that finish between Capecchi and Vollering when they sprinted head to head like it was the most mental thing I've ever seen so drama how they they're going back this year probably once again as like co-leaders so it'll be very interesting to see how it plays out this year if they've learned any lessons or sorry go on or if they haven't I'll just say I mean, (laughs) it is a very interesting question. Like, surely they've looked at last year and gone, okay, no, we we need to set out a clear leader here. Like, we need to figure out if this is this scenario happens, who do we actually go for? Because, like, it was low key embarrassing for them last year. 
come on it was like it was awkward it was a yeah um but aside from sd works like i'm looking forward to seeing how cassia races because i know like it's a bit cheesy but she's obviously the gravel world champ and seems to absolutely slay at that discipline so mm-hmm. like i really hope she can do a good ride um i think she just needs things to like everything to align for her and she can um but of like all the race of the season i'd say this is one of the best biggest chances for her so hopefully she can she can do it um and also it's um talking of ashley moorman it's her first road race of the season as well and she's been doing a lot of gravel racing or a couple of gravel races in spain to like as a warm-up to the season i noticed so she'll she should also be going pretty well and um has will be quite used to riding on gravel um and then there's also we have to think about voss like in the form she's in this race is really good for her it's just i'm just not sure if it's a little bit too hilly for voss but yeah we'll see it might be. I mean, she struggled, I'm trying to think. She struggled on some of the hillier final stage of Valencia, I think. She didn't, did she struggle or did she? No, I'm not even going to go there because I can't remember the race. Um, <laughs> um, who else? We've got um, Kristen Faulkner. Oh, to go back to Kasia, actually. Imagine imagine she wins and breaks her winning drought at Strada Bianca. It would be a fairy tale. It would be unreal. It truly would. No, there, nobody wouldn't like that. Does that make sense? Everyone would like that. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Uh, <laughs> I know what you're trying to say. Nobody wouldn't like that. Am I? <laughs> <laughs> no, but as in like no one would like Big Roger. No. I think, yeah, like it would be a popular win for sure. Um, um, also, just going through the start list, um, Kristen Faulkner is there and as we sort of mentioned like she's been going obviously going really well and I do feel like she'll have a bit of a bone to pick with this race after last year um like yeah obviously I mean she got so close uh getting caught like right at the bottom of the or like part way up the Santa Catarina climb by Capecchi and Vollerin and like then there was a whole debacle with the continuous glucose monitor. Um, so I just, yeah, I feel like she'll be coming in swinging to this race on a new team. She will be, and she'll be looking to go quite early, I imagine, like she like she did um, last year. So, and I don't think it because of like people knowing her name a bit more and stuff now. If she does go for one of those early moves, like people are going to be more wary of responding, which could force the whole race into opening up earlier. So it'll be quite it would be quite interesting to see see what happens really with her. Yeah, for sure. And we've got Pook on the start list. She came fifth last year in basically like literally her first road race ever. So be interesting to see how she goes. Um what else? Who do we think like if you had to put your money on one person. Oh God, that's tough. Um, I need to look at the start list as well because I don't back myself <laughs> off the top of my head. <laughs> um, oh no. Um, I don't want to go for somebody obvious. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go for K- Vollering or, or Kapeki just because that's boring. I'm gonna go, I wanna go for someone different. 
I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Sharon and I'm Okay. I mean, crossrider, she's got them skills, Ryan doesn't mind the weather. got a good team they'll back her if it's her day she looks so Yeah, good yeah. um we'll see well, you've got to say yours now Um, yeah, I'm also not going to say Volerin or Kabeki. just for it not to be obvious. Um, gosh, I mean, <gasps> Kachinu Odoma would obviously just be, like, really good to see. It's just hard because, like, she did kind of blow up in Omloop and you wonder how how well she is going at this point in the season yet. Um, I'm not going to say Puck because I will be accused of bias. Um, <laughs> but maybe oh, I don't want to go for Trek though either because you've chosen a Trek rider. Um, God, this is actually hard. I hate doing this. I always get it wrong. It's like the curse of the... We're certainly going to get it wrong. Mm-hmm. So I just, just go for anyone. I think Persco could be a shout. Another cross rider. Yeah, another cross I hate rider. that. I do sometimes. I I do like. You hate that distinction, like if, that people make. Like, oh, that person's. I, yeah, that's obviously it's obviously very very different. Mm -hmm. but, yeah, but I mean, technic technical skills wise. Yeah, that's the thing. It does stand to reason that anybody who doesn't offer a discipline is going to be good at the technical element of this race, which plays a massive part. So, yeah. Right then, I'm going to nick that from you. I'm going to say Pisco. Yeah. <laughs> because I literally, like... They still need to... They might be good at cross, but they still need to, like, get through, like, three hours of racing as opposed to, like, 45 minutes. So, mm -hmm. but, yeah, to an extent, it does. Mm-hmm. Uh, But yeah, I can't wait to watch it. I'm excited. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Read my read my coverage on ruler.cc. I'll be working this weekend writing about it. She's a working girl. Plug, big plug. Download the ruler app. Hey, support. <laughs> Support print journalism as well. Buy the mag. yeah, but Do it all. if you want to see Strada Bianchi direct coverage, Live download, and direct. download the app. There you go. I will not be covering it live on Women's Cycling Weekly. That is not what I do. Um, but I, I will be on the live blog for Cycling News. Will you? Oh my god, Yeah. great. Okay, we can chat. Oh, yeah, we can talk about... Yeah, I'll Love be glued it when to my laptop. Eh? Love it when like someone else I know is also working from home at, on a race and like you, you just, you know, you feel like you're someone in the same boat as you are, just like that. And literally, like, has to follow the race from start to finish, like. Yeah, okay. But um, yeah, looking forward to it. Actually, now that I've just, I've just like bummed myself out at that point. I'm gonna have to like somehow try and figure out if we are getting like a normal amount of coverage or not. Do you not recall from previous editions we've been through this whole like, are we gonna get more than forty five minutes? Are we gonna just get like? what's the point in them adding all those extra sectors though if they're not going to give us any more coverage like That's true. did I see if it's on the app sorry you might just edit this uh, Although but the thing, the thing as well is like,
they yeah I don't know I just think this race has historically like I remember watching it and being like oh we've got um like 15 20 minutes of the sign on footage and that's included within the hour of coverage 10 30 till one o'clock really it's on from 10 30 mm-hmm. oh so so that's like an hour and a half into the race i think or no an hour into the race uh, I think it's- and then the men's the men's coverage doesn't even start till one so there's not even an overlap which is quite good oh that's oh Wow, sorry, RCS laying this year for <laughs> They're bringing it to women's cycling. Well, they've got the, the Giro now, so they've got to step up. I know. Well, it sounds like they are from what I, my my understanding of the plans. Mm. It's good. Well, we love to see it. Very exciting. Looking mm. forward to the race. Maybe we will reconvene afterwards. Yeah, we must. Especially if we're both... Um, putting in the shift the whole rows so there we go anything else to add any other comments observations thoughts about the season so far about life about bracing about anything Uh, any other thoughts about racing honestly not right now uh i'm just thinking about strada bianchi looking forward to it to be honest yeah yeah oh i'm just excited that like the season has like really got underway now because you really do just get to a point I think towards the end of the year you sort of get a bit oversaturated then you have like a bit of a lull and it's like winter and cross and you try and get enthusiastic but nothing nothing hits quite like classics like this time of year and I'm just glad that we're here because it just reinvigorates my interest basically (laughs) I 100% agree with you. As I said at the start, to go, to go full circle is around. Oh. The classics are my favorite race of the races of the year. My favorite time of the year. I love. I love that it's like gritty and shit and muddy and cold, and I just thrive in those conditions. Like, give me that over a 30 degree tour stage any day. To be honest, that's uh-huh. just who I am. <laughs> Mic drop. What's that? Mic drop. From me. Mic drop. Yes. Okay. Well, that's all we've got then for today. Thank you for listening. Thanks, Rachel, for joining me again. You're welcome and for having me. <laughs> See you on the other side of Strada. Bye. Bye.